Guys, the title sponsor of my podcast is GoHunt.com Insider, and they're doing a 30-day free trial exclusive for the J. Scott Outdoors podcast listeners. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash J. Scott and click on the blue free trial button and go through the steps. It only takes a couple of minutes. You will be required to provide a credit card, but you will not be charged until after the free 30 days. You can cancel at any time within the first 30 days to prevent being charged. If you have any questions at all, you can email freetrial at gohunt.com and someone from the GoHunt team will promptly respond. This is your opportunity to see what all the buzz is about and the filtering 2.0 system and the application strategies for the Western Hunter. Yeah, so like I was saying, I don't know if I was going to use uh, Ziploc bags right now for this breakfast or vacuum sealed bags. Because a lot of this other stuff, we're going to vacuum seal it, and I'm um, trying to see if it's if it's worth it to go through that much weight or uh, trouble. So that's basically breakfast. That's basically breakfast. And like in the years past, this is where I kind of was throwing around my breakfast ideas. I used to just use bars, like protein bars, for breakfast because I I really hate burning water in the backcountry because water in Nevada is very hard to get unless you have a snowfield or unless you're camped by a lake. Like the water's always in the bottom. That's where always the deer are. So this year I am going to go breakfast breakfast like with an oatmeal so i might i really love like granola type stuff and i feel like i can palate just dry oatmeal and all this stuff together and maybe wash it down with with a coffee or just a little sip of water but i really am trying not to uh turn my stove up and boil a bunch of water just for breakfast because i saved the water but so now here we're going to jump into uh, my snack and lunch so here's where i have a lot of high calorie items i've um, i'm taking roasted uh, macadamia nuts and these are really high in uh, calories and fat content. They have 213 calories per ounce at 19 grams of fat. So these are wow energy morsels. I mean, this, this is more than a protein bar. I mean, it doesn't have as much protein content. But, I mean, just, just for calories and grams of fat, it's huge. And I'm also doing some uh, uh, roasted pila nuts. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Those are at 216 calories per ounce and 24 grams of fat. So these are two nuts that i've gotten at like a whole food store they don't have any they don't have any salt on them they're just straight nuts that just are packed with energy and then uh here's like my basically my big snack item that it's like crave every single day i love um justin's almond butter and justin's like hazelnut butter so basically it's like a a peanut butter thing this is i use almond butter uh a peanut butter little packet and they're 190 calories per 1.15 ounces so they're you know, tons of good protein and tons of calories. And I'll take those and I'll dump those onto a honey stinger, honey waffle. This is like a little, uh, yeah, so it basically looks like a tiny, tiny waffle. I guess what it, what it is. And that's 160 calories. So basically I have um, almost 500 calories right there, just in like three small items that barely weigh anything. That gives me a lot of energy again. That's, I'll sit there and eat those midday while I'm classing. And then uh, also for lunch, I will throw in either a company called RX Bar and uh, either a peanut butter bar or a Pro Bar um, meal peanut butter bar. And those, one of them is 108 calories per ounce, the other one's 125 calories per ounce. And uh, those are again just uh, you know good protein-based bars that I'll use on lunch. I used to do the whole uh, you know carry tortillas and maybe bring some like dried dried meat or some turkey but just it's just so much easier carrying bars or smaller they don't have a big mess and then also coupled with those other snack items like those those nuts and everything i get a really good lunch type snack throughout the day on those and 
Another part that I also do is, uh, so for dinner, um, mountain house chicken and rice. And what I do is I don't, I used to always buy the pro packs. Those are really small uh, vacuum sealed mountain house packs, but obviously I'm wasting a bunch of money doing that. So you can get them cheaper by buying a mountain house in bulk. They come in like a big giant, uh, I think they're like pound and a half cans of mountain house. So now it looks pretty crazy. I probably have like 10 or 15 of those cans sitting in my man cave right now. But I'm basically <laughs> going to take, I'm basically going to take, I'm, I'm ready for anything that happens. If the, if the world ends, hey, come to my house. We got mountain house. Um, <laughs> We, so I take those. I'm going to take probably two and a half cups right now of, of Mountain House, and I'm going to dump that into a vacuum seal bag. I'm going to vacuum seal it up myself, and then a bunch of other ones. I'm just going to put a larger vacuum seal bag and then use that same vacuum seal bag for multiple nights of uh, dumping the water in there, kind of like you would a normal Mountain House bag. Crack trying to save weight. And then also what I do is I supplement uh, a little bit of MCT oil or um, like olive oil. Um, olive oil has like 251 calories, um, per ounce or I believe it's right per ounce. Um, so basically I get tons of extra calories just by liquid calories. I mean, olive oil is great on, you know, cooking and everything like that, but you can definitely just kind of just drink it. So I just dump it in my mountain house and add, add a bunch of extra calories there. That way I can try to stay at that 1,900 calories per day. And so, uh, it's, it's kind of a science right now. I'm still trying to modify it, but that's, pretty much my food uh a to z throughout the day and really doesn't change much from that is is all of this going to be on your spreadsheet including photos and such yep yep everything will be photos photos of the food photos of uh photos of all all my gear and uh so that's that's a lot of that i think we still have to go over i mean i have a lot of miscellaneous gear but we can jump on my cook kit real quick and uh yeah some other other stuff doing great Uh, so yeah, cook, cook kit. This is where I was talking about earlier about having like lightweight titanium and how it might not be feasible for some people early on because it is a high expense to buy titanium compared to like an aluminum um, cook set. So I have a Jetboil Soul TI titanium pot. It's a 4.96 ounce. So this is where I, I think I was mentioning to you before, Jay, about I have a custom Jetboil kit. So basically what this is, is a, a company that same people make my steaks, Rada Lacura. They make a kit that has a really lightweight uh, actual burner part of the stove instead of using the normal jet boil um, igniter, the stove part. So basically I take a, can, it's a it's still a canister type stove, so it fits on one of those, uh, you know, those fuel canisters. This is really lightweight and also has little, uh, um, I believe they're, I believe they're uh, titanium sheets or they're really thin uh, sheets that kind of go inside that uh, jet boil the part where it has those uh, burners coming down. So it makes it a little more fuel efficient and also protect, helps you protect on wind because like a lot of people might take two or three fuel canisters on a week-long backpacking hunt, but really you only need one, maybe one and a half. You might have to take two, but it really comes down to fuel consumption. If I can boil water as fast as I can and not burn fuel, I only need to carry one canister. And one, one fuel canister, 110 gram of fuel actually weighs seven and a half ounces. So if you figure if you take two, three fuel canisters with you and by the end of your hunt, if you've ended up burning all those or you didn't because you're actually fuel conscious and don't keep your burner on and boil a ton of extra water, you're saving a ton of weight just right there in your whole backpacking setup. So this jet boil kit, this custom one, just is really fuel efficient, really lightweight. I think the total of like the jet boil plus the stove, it's like five ounces. And I think normal wow. jet boils are what, 13, 14 ounces total. So you can... Wow cut a lot of weight really fast. 
and it still boils really fast because the top of my lid, instead of having that plastic jet boil lid, has a carbon fiber um, lid, so it's really lightweight as well, carbon fiber. Uh, we talked about the fuel right there. I just take w one canister by myself when I'm in the backcountry, um, and then I have a you know small Bic lighter, the really a really mini one, so like an inch and a half tall, for igniting my stove. And then I also use a Sea to Summit titanium spork that barely weighs a quarter ounce. It's a really lightweight spork um, for eating. And then uh, so other gear, just random. So that my whole cook setup is 14 ounces. And that includes that stove, fuel, lighter, titanium spork. So it's a pretty lightweight cook setup. Wow. Um, so here's some miscellaneous gear, like a, a headlamp. I do carry two types of light sources. So I will carry a just a, a headlamp. The one I'm using right now is a, a Browning. Um, I think it's called their Epic 3. It has like 200-some lumens. It's pretty bright light. That's pretty really lightweight at 3.32 ounces. Um, I also have like a... Uh, another handheld like little mini flashlight. It's about what is it, about three inches long. It does have like a green filter on it for helping you find blood. I think it has a red filter on it as well. Um, this is just a really small handheld flashlight. It's only two ounces of, for another flashlight. Uh, my first aid kit. I'm going to my first aid kit will be of photos of my first aid kit. But I'm also doing another article later on on how I kind of build my first aid kit. My first aid kit's also very. Um, some people might call it too minimalist, but I think it does have a lot of stuff I do need if big, you know, emergencies do arise. I do always carry electrical tape and a bunch of other stuff. So I kind of, I'll break that down later, but that my first aid kit comes in at 2.75 ounces. Uh, for water purification in the backcountry, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I'll just drink right below the stream, drink below, you know, in Colorado, drink anywhere. But like, I don't, I don't trust any of that. I've actually gotten Jardy before my, uh, well, my boss, when I did fisheries work, he clogged one of my pump filters, filtering out of like a moose pond area, and I ended up getting Giardia later because the pump was so clogged, it wasn't, uh, the water just filtering right through the pump. And I ended up getting Giardia, I ended up missing uh, three weeks of elk season. That was a year I had tons of time off during September to go elk hunting, had a giant bull found, and I missed all the archery hunt for elk because I had Giardia. I actually didn't know I had Giardia and kept trying to like go out hunting, and I'd just sit there and, yeah, Giardia's bad. So always, always, filter, <laughs> always filter everything or do something. But so water filter, I use. I don't use a water filter. I actually use those. Uh, they're water purification drops made by Aquamira. And so you just take like seven drops of part A, seven drops of part B, mix it and do a liter water and wait a certain amount of time and you're good to go. Um, so that you know, just the the essential toilet paper um, is very. Uh, toilet paper and Ziploc bag. Uh, I use a Kestrel knife. It's their slim paper. And this is a super lightweight knife that is very, very sharp. I've actually, last year, I uh, quartered and deboned four mule deer without even sharpening it. I used to use those uh, Peranta, have on Peranta knives with replaceable blades. And I do, you break a lot of blades and they're really super sharp and almost to the point where, you know, I feel they're too dangerous in a way for a lot of people to use or just in the heat of the moment, it might be dark out. It was such a, a knife that's that razor sharp. That's such a thin blade. It's so easy to cut your hand. I've actually witnessed quite a few of my friends slice their fingers down on the bone. on one of those, but this, this castle knife is also razor sharp, but it's a little thicker blade. So it's, I feel like I can feel it when I'm moving around. It's still very light. Um, and my, my trekking poles, like I was saying, I use for uh, my tent. They're just black diamond. I think they're called Trail Ego Corks trekking poles. And so uh, that was just some random other gear. I mean, some other gear I take along with me is I have a glassing pad. 
I just have an old, uh, one of those old like roll up Z rest type foam, uh, sleeping pads. I just take one of those and cut in a really small section and only weighs like, like one and a half ounces for a short section to sit on. Um, I'm still a guy who takes, I mean, iPhones are really great. You can use a GPS on your iPhone, you use it for a camera. You can use them, uh, you know, and look at Google Earth if you have service. You can cache stuff on there. So I do take my iPhone with me. I do have a lot of maps on there, a lot of aerial footage, but I also carry a Garmin GPS. I just feel I'd rather have a standalone GPS where I can mark stuff easier. I mean, yeah, I can do it on my phone with some, like, Onyx Maps apps, but I'm a I'm still a standalone GPS guy, and then my phone does a lot of other stuff for aerial images. But so Garmin 64S. Um, I have a, you know, just the other random smoke in a bottle for a uh, wind indicator. Um, I do have, I do wear face paint. I will paint up before I'm making a stock right at it. I mean, a lot of people think it's weird and crazy, but I'd rather put a, I'd rather, my thought is I'd rather have camo, uh, the paint stuff on my face and wear a face mask. Cause I just don't like, I don't like being at full draw and having a face mask affecting my shot so, and game Are bags. You- Oh, sorry, are you full be- are you full beard these days or clean shaven? Uh, oh yeah, I'm back I'm back to the full shit full full beard, yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> you're, it's back again. You're trying out for Duck Dynasty, it's back, huh? Yeah, after last year in Colorado. That's not quite last year in Colorado how you saw me, but uh yeah, after that I filmed last year when I shaved it. I've I've only trimmed it I think once or once or twice since uh last year September. So yeah, it's a it's a big rock and beard again. We're gonna we're gonna go round two and see if I can redeem myself with the beard. <laughs> uh, so that, that does help my camo, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, game bags right now. I uh, I did place an order for the new Kuyu game bags, those uh, boned out uh, meat bags. I'm really excited to use those, but I, I haven't got those in the mail yet. So I'm just going to rock my uh, caribou gear. They're called like the carnivore twos. They're really lightweight uh, boned out meat only bags. They come in at 10 and a, 10 ounce, 10.5 ounces. Um, then another one of my like big safety things is saying I, I used to use one of those, uh, used to use a spot. Now I switched over and I use a DeLorme in reach, um, device. I just, my fiance loves when I can, uh, you know, text her at night or do anything. She texts me back. So that's kind of huge for us to be able to, you know, communicate that I'm safe and let people know, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm still alive or maybe even handle work items in the back country. Um, that's, you know, 6.65 ounces. I do carry four extra lithium batteries. And then, like I said, I carry my my iPhone with. So uh, I think that covers a gear. Besides for uh, weapon wise, um, want to get into like my bow setup or anything like that? Yeah, let's take a quick break, and then I want to hear all about your bow setup. I have known the owners of the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix for over 20 years. They are the authority on optics and hunting gear. Outdoorsman's is the leading designer and manufacturer of high quality tripods, mounting accessories, and pack systems for all hunters. Their customer service is the best in the business. Go to Outdoorsmans.com or call 1-800-291-8065 and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any products. Phonescope is a company that makes custom-molded, precisely engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Photographing wildlife has never been easier. It is simple to text photos and videos from your smartphone and share them with your friends. PhoneScope stands behind their product with a 100% money-back guarantee. Get yours now by using the JSCOT16 promo code and receive 10% discount on all purchases. Check them out at PhoneScope, that's P-H-O-N-E-S-K-O-P-E dot com, or on Instagram 
at PhoneScope. Okay, Brady, let's dive into your archery setup uh, for your high country mule deer hunt. Okay, yeah, this is a setup. I, I ran a very similar setup last year. Um, it's a 2015 uh, Hoyt Nitrum 34. It's a long draw model. So I, I have a 32-inch draw length, so it actually accommodates me. And I, I run uh, 80-pound limbs. So I just do... I do 80-pound limbs for a lot of reasons. It is for it is for speed a little bit, but a lot more for just that momentum, hard hitting. You know, I can I can shoot a a heavier arrow, still get good speed, but also still just just punch animals hard. Like I shoot a lot. I used to shoot a lot at at leagues when I lived in Montana, shooting 80-pound limbs. And then when I got down here, I would still shoot a few times at the extra archery range, besides for just my house, and I blow through a lot of targets. That's it, it's fun shooting 80 pound limbs. You definitely need to like work up to it. But for my setup, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't shoot anything less than 80 pounds. If, it, if the bow company offers 80 pound limbs, um, I could break down, uh, um, my, my bow sight. It's a pure driven 75 single pin with a six inch dovetail. So this is a single pin, single pin adjustable sight. Um, big promoter of single pins. Just be able to dial in the exact yardage and know where you're shooting instead of pin gaps or, or, you know, taking the guesswork out of things. I always feel you know, people definitely have more time than they think on a mule deer, especially when you're, you know, he's in his bed, you do have time, you might be waiting for him to stand up, you've ranged that spot, you know, 15, 20 times, and you could definitely move your sight in. And then even if the buck did get up, a lot of times you you still have an opportunity to shoot him. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, you can't use him elk hunting. Like, what if the bull comes in, now he's at 50, now he's at 30. Well, you can also figure out how to set your pin and know where your pins going to shoot high or shoot low at certain distances. So, that so case, that's a that's a question I have for you. Um, what will your pin just be set at? Just you keep it at all the time. What where does it set? I, I would set it at thirty four yards. Thirty four okay. yards gets me. I have to look back at it now because I did just uh, move some things around a little bit. But before that was like four inches high. Um, at yeah, four inches high at 20, and I think I was like four inches low at 50, if I remember right. So it's still, uh, you know, that whole range, if you're looking at an elk, you could just go, okay, I'm at 34 yards, I'll hold a little, little high if he's at 50, and you're going to punch him. Like, or if he all of a sudden came running in, 34 yards, both shoot so fast nowadays, 34 yards, if he came running all the way in, and now he's at 20, you're not going to shoot all over him. Even if you put your pin right on him at 34 yards, a lot of people's right. pins, if they have multi-pin sites, are so stacked in there from 20, 30, 40. Uh, it really doesn't matter. That's why that's why saying at certain yards, if you are an elk hunter and don't have that time, and you want to cover yourself, that's a good way to do it. Running a single pin. Yeah, I'm running a single pin this year for sure. Yeah, they're 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 not, they're definitely nice. It's kind of it's kind of like running a a rifle turret. You know, you have to dial in yeah. your turret and rifle, dial it in here. You're, you're more accurate. And I just I'm, I take the tournament side of archery and throw it into bow hunting while still making it so I don't have a lot of extra guys are still trying to keep it simple, but also making it really advanced. Um, and also, uh, I run really long stabilizers. I run a, I think it's a 15 inch front bar on my bow and I have two ounces of weight on the end of it. So it basically helps me, helps me balance. And I also run a sidebar that goes behind my bow and that has 16 ounces of weight. And I like to have mass weight on my bow. I like it to be heavy because I shoot better, hold better in the wind. It also helps me balance out all my gear on the left, on my right side of my bow, because I'm a right-handed archer. So a lot of it's 
playing around, figuring out what works for you. I mean, a lot of people don't shoot 16 ounces. Like I said earlier, I love being lightweight. And here's again where I go against what I say. I love having a heavy bow. If I'm rifle hunting, I love having a heavy rifle. It's just kind of what works for me. And I, uh, my arrows, I'm running uh, the Black Eagle X packs. They're really uh, thin diameter, micro diameter shafts, and they have an outsert on them. So the way I found, uh, I mean, outsert, I shot my moose with the same setup as a deep impact arrow, but basically same small diameter. The outsert is, so it goes through an animal, and the outsert is actually a little bit bigger than the, than the shaft itself. So you have less resistance going through. The arrow is not really touching anything as it's going through, if that makes sense. Because that broadhead yeah. and the outsert makes a bigger hole, so the arrow has, that, like, the blood will help, like, lubricate or make it fluid so it goes through the animal easier. Like, in my moose, when I shot my moose in BC with my bow, I shot it at 65 yards. I had a 70-pound uh, bear bow at the time, and it punched through both sides of the animal. My broadhead was sticking out the other side at 65 yards with a 70-pound bow. Wow. I, I have to say there's something to be said about outsorts. I'm sure you could do a lot of other. I was using a fixed blade head at the time. And Isn't just, it one of the downside of outsorts that, like, when you're shooting at targets, you're basically blowing through every single target? Yeah, yeah exactly. That's that's why I think, like <laughs> I was saying earlier, how I shoot 80-pound limbs and I have I abuse targets. This is another reason reason why I abuse targets. It punches a bigger hole, and it, I think it, it penetrates. You can definitely tell penetration difference using these outsorts compared to regular regular errors, I believe. I've definitely, definitely seen it myself in testing. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's my arrow setup on the front of it. This, in the past, I've used uh, fixed blade uh, muddy trocar heads. Those are great, great heads. This year, I decided to switch it up. Um, and I'm using a Rage Hypodermic Plus P. So I'm using expandable heads this year. And, yeah, I think that pretty much covers the, the bow. I mean, the bow and some of the setups. And without getting way, way too in-depth geeky, and I could go on for hours about my bow setup. But... How, what's your kinetic energy? Ooh, I think the last time I calculated it was high, high 90s, like wow. really high 90s. Yeah, 90, maybe 96, 98. Wow, wow. So it's well, it's, it's a comfortable, comfortable setup, and still works for the backcountry. And what release you know, do you use? It's a uh, I use a uh, thumb activated release. I don't use a wrist strap caliper, so. I've just, that's this whole thing about taking tournament side of archery and throwing it into hunting. It's, I can still command the, the shot if I want to, but I do really try to shoot with back tension. I have, I do have target pain issues. I will admit that. So I, I'm still battling that. It goes away and comes back. But I shoot a four finger uh, hot shot eclipse um, release and I activate it with back tension using like, using your thumb muscle. And you're, so you okay. could punch it with the thumb. Couple questions for you. So, what do you do to help you with your target panic? What helps you? Uh, what's I'll, I'll go into first what uh, what makes me a target panic. Basically, trying to shoot at spots. If I try like by spots, I mean like going to a going to an archery range and you go into the pro shop and you go to the back and all they have are, are bales of target blocks and all they have is a little tiny dot to shoot at. Me shooting at a little tiny dot or dots with rings, like a scoring ring, it messes up my mind, and I try to be too perfect. So I do have a, I have a, I have a fear of missing that exact bullseye. It's, it's such a, such a problem in my head that I will, I'll freeze below the target, and 
because I'm just like afraid to miss. I want to be, I want to be so perfect. I want to be in the exact X. And I'm, so I'm, I'm definitely battling that right now. So the thing that helps me not do that is I definitely do a lot of blank filling. I shoot my eyes closed a lot. I shoot um, mainly if I've, I live in Las Vegas. I don't really have very much long range shooting ability, man. And yeah, there's deserts everywhere, but it's, you know, hundred degrees all the time. So I shoot a lot in my house and I shoot a lot with uh, bear shaft arrows working on form. I shoot out of, on my target, if I'm not shooting bear or not shooting with my eyes closed, blind bailing, I'll shoot a piece of string with a bear shaft. And I just focus on breaking that string. And then that kind of helps me. But the biggest way I get rid of my target panic is when I shoot 3D archery. For whatever reason, if you put an animal out in front of me or a 3D target, that I can, I can almost nail those vitals every single time. So I stop forgetting about, okay, I need to punch that exact a molecule on the upper right side of the X, right where they cross together, or like I don't try to think. I don't. When I look at an animal, I don't say, "Okay, I need to shoot that exact uh, little piece of hair right there." That'll mess my mind up. And it's like, "Okay, just go right right behind the shoulder and squeeze the shot, execute it, and let it rip." And I don't have target panic that way because, for whatever reason, when I'm shooting tournaments or shooting competitively, I mean, I I had breakdown, have target panic because I just want to be perfect and I want to I want to beat everyone else. I'm super competitive. <laughs> when when you do lock off target do you typically always lock low and end up shooting low yep i will always lock low i'll never have left or my my arrows are always in a pretty much straight up and down line but just just low I, i'll never miss an, i'll never miss a target high that's 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 why i know i have target panic bad i always i always will miss low if i'm going to miss anything and i'll freeze low when i do have target panic I, i've even gone into the i shoot a lot of uh full back tension releases like hinge activated where you actually have to either use your back muscles or it's like a slight wrist rotation. I shoot those a lot, but it's just like for every reason, I probably need to, I think I'm actually going to hire a coach this winter and hire an archery coach and try to figure things out a little bit. Cause I feel like I have, a, I have the fundamentals down. I know how to, you know, I can tune my bow to a T I can set up my arrows, but for every reason, my shot sequence, that's where it breaks down for me. And I, I get rid of target panic for a while by shooting blank bales and all this stuff. And then for every reason, towards hunting season, I might start thinking about things differently. And it comes back again, and I throw 3D targets out, and it kind of goes away. And I seem, I seem to, like, eliminate it altogether. So it's something I'm going to be working on this winter and try to combat it for once. But I will admit, I have target panic. So first step, first step <laughs> to fixing it is admitting it, right? <laughs> well, anybody that admits that they don't have it lying. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Um. You know, it's been interesting for me. Uh, I haven't shot an elk with my bow in 10 years. So 06 was the last time I shot an elk with my bow. And uh, I, I'd really kind of gotten, not out of archery, but just don't shoot. And, and just, yeah, I mean, just kind of got out of archery and, uh, you know, guiding a lot and rifle hunting. And and uh, it's been so fun this summer to get back into archery. And one of the things that I noticed is, I'm shooting better at like 60, 70, and 80 yards than sometimes I do at 30 and 40. And, yep. you know, I was I was talking to Dar about it, and he's like, Jay, when you're closer, you're so focused on your pin, and you're so focused on a particular spot, whereas when you're out, you know, 60, 70, 80 yards, uh, 90 yards, it's it's it, to me it's more of just all one fluid motion and my pin is somewhere the best i can explain it somewhere in the general area of where the where i need to be shooting if that mm -hmm. makes any sense and i'm totally, a lot totally more, i'm i'm way more relaxed 
And it seems like I go up and look at my groups. I'm like, I, I shoot. I mean, it's just, I feel way more comfortable at 80 yards. Not, not that I can't make a 30 yard shot, but just something about the execution of the shot at 80 yards is much more comfortable to me than shooting at 30 or 40. Yep. That, that goes kind of the same thing. You have the exact same scenario I have. It's like, we're still focused and we're closer. It's like, Oh, it's a chip shot. I should be able to put all these arrows in that quarter size, um, X ring, you know? And then when you get back yeah. further, that's when you're actually, because you, you, need, you need to allow the pin to actually flow. Like I have a problem too. of like, okay, the pin, needs to be rock steady, rock, rock steady in a vertical line and not move left or right or up and down. It should be perfect, like a crosshair in a rifle. And it's, it's not theoretically possible to do that. You really can't hold it steady. That's why I think when you get back further, you're allowing the pin to move more, and that's allowing it to move naturally. And as long as that pin's in that general area, and your, your, con, your subconscious mind is so focused on actually like aiming in that spot and doing it for you, and you're not having to think as hard. And so that's why I think I make better shots too at 80 yards. It's big. Yeah. That's the reason. Yeah. That's, it's fun stuff, but archery is just, uh, you know, being out of it for a while and not shooting a lot and then getting back to summer. And, and it's just, it's just fun to shoot. I'd forgotten how fun it is. And it, you know, it's unfortunate. It's kind of like golf. You know, uh, people that are good at golf, they want to get better and better and better. And, you know, nope. sometimes it, it's best for me to just go like four or five days and not shoot and then just go shoot, enjoy it. And, you know, I'm shooting as good as I can shoot. And, you know, the more I shoot, probably the worse I shoot. If if I lay it yep. down for two or three days and then just go shoot again, I'm, you know, usually my first three arrows of the day are usually my best three arrows. <laughs> yep, exactly. That's right. for battling the, the whole conscious mind and aiming and the subconscious mind to shoot your bow. And then that's why a lot of times I practice, like you said, I, I practice at six feet in my house, blank battling or shooting a string, or I practice at a hundred yards outside. It's just those two distances. I feel like I can get, I get my tuning done at long range and you know, it's, it's the way I love it. So it's so fun seeing that arrow fly through the air. It's just keeping yeah. archery fun is the way to do it. And then you'll be good yeah. for hunting season, I think. Just to be clear, you're talking about hanging a string, a linear, you know, hanging it down, and all you're trying to do is just hit the string. Yep, I'm trying to break it. I actually did an article on Go Hunt. Uh, I think it might have been back in January, February, talking about that setup. That's why I, re I removed fletchings from my arrow, because the fletchings, all they're really doing is helping correct your flight. And so that's why shooting indoors, and I'll even step it back as far as I think I can go, I don't know, 13 yards in my house if I, you know, open up my shoot through the living room into the man cave always to the back of it and so that's removing the fletchings it makes it kind of harder to hit that string because then everything has to be perfect you have to have yeah. your bow hand in the right spot you have to have your hand set right you have to have your anchor you know in, the, in your cheek right it's like takes out it makes it so everything else just has to be in line for that non-fletched arrow to go straight and and actually hit that piece of string and i'm talking about it's like a uh it's actually dental a piece floss. Of, it, yeah, it's like dental floss. It's a serving string. So I have a yellow uh, bow serving string that you would use around like your your knock or your peep sight. Yeah, I'm basically shooting at that, and I just have yellow one because it works really well against uh, my black target. And you're shooting, trying to break the string. It's actually really hard, but it's fun too. It's like a little game you can play indoors. Like if it's too hot out, it's raining outside. You can't. People think you can't shoot your bow. Take it out in the garage. Shoot a piece of string. It's probably the best practice you can do for your form, and also. It, for your like mental game of archery, you know, you can make a shot and, you know, break and at that point, 
you're not necessarily focusing on a spot because it's a linear yep, feel it's a linear. And, mm-hmm. and and your mind doesn't actually break it down into just a little X. It's more, yeah, that's a, that's a sweet idea. I'll have to try that. Yeah, it's, I found it to be really great. And it's, it, is, it is fun. It's like I said, you will, you'll sit there and be like, man, I hit the string and you'll pull it out and the string's not broken yet. So it, it, it definitely takes that perfect shot to split the string right down the middle. And so it will eventually, you can split it and sit on both sides of your arrow. And then you know, like, wow, that, that felt good. And then you go back and it's like, okay, let's repeat that shot and do it again. That's awesome. That's, I'm going to have to try that. That's a, that's a sweet little tip. Um, so your total weight uh, of, of your pack is, what'd you say it was? 45.6? Yeah, it's like 40, uh, let me pull it back up on my computer here. Yeah, 45.8. And that's, okay. that's all that typical gear. And then this is, I did 45.8 without, um, my stupid camera optics. I always carry a big giant DSLR. I carry some extra lenses. That's, that's <laughs> like my, ba- that's like my base weight. And this is going to be like a sub weight. Okay, here's actually what I'm, putting myself through some misery carrying whatever it is like i think i have i don't even know seven pounds of optics uh, seven pounds of camera gear i take in you know my dslr a lens a couple extra batteries uh self re- self remote and so then, then it gets really heavy but yeah i, I could do 45.8 if i just use my digiscoping camera as a as a trophy photo but i just love photography and love you know really cool yeah, photos so i always i always suck it up Real game calls featuring the elk reel. Real game calls makes innovative, realistic, and easy to master calls using their proprietary, revolutionary design. They are located and manufactured in Gypsum, Colorado. Their calls were designed and battle tested on some of the hardest hunted terrain on earth. Check out elkreel.com. Use the promo code JSCOTT and receive a 20% discount on all purchases. Go to www.elkreel.com. Utah Hydrographics is in the water transfer printing service and they can dip almost anything into a wide range of camel patterns, designs, and colors. Whether it's guns, bows, tools, rifle stocks, vehicle parts, steering wheels, cups, or tripods, Utah Hydrographics loves taking things that are general looking and turn them into something that looks fantastic. Give them a call and see what they can do for you and receive up to a 10% discount by using the JSCOT16 promo code. Visit them at utahhydrographics.com or on Instagram at utahhydrographics. Your photos are amazing for sure. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I We stay here in Carbondale for the summer, but we uh, on Sundays we go to church up in Vail at uh, Calvary Chapel, Vail Valley, and... Uh, uh, I, a couple weeks ago, a, a guy came up to me and said he follows, listens to the podcast, follows me on Instagram. Uh, his name's Nick and just an awesome guy. And he says, uh, uh, last year he says, I, I'm the one that's, that, uh, messed up Brady on his mule deer hunt. I said, Oh no, <laughs> the yeah, nicest guy, uh, they were elk hunting, I guess. And, um, he didn't realize it, but I think he I think he blew your buck out, or I forget the exact story. Yeah. Um, but uh, man, Heartbreak Hotel, that was an awesome buck last year. Hey, I know. Yeah, that, that's actually funny. You mentioned uh, that he reached out to you. He, uh, 
I think it was I, I did a, a podcast with the the hunt hunt backcountry guys. They have a podcast yeah. and they had the talking about it. And I think two weeks later, he reached out to me. He just joined Instagram. He said just to search me out, I guess, because he was trying to figure it out. Okay, I I recognize this. I recognize the go hunt thing. We we're talking about go hunt on the podcast, and he's like, yeah, Brady. I was I was that guy who wrecked your stock on that elk hunt because. Yeah, they were actually uh, working up the basin, and they were going after a couple bulls. There's a bull in there with, uh, I think he had matching kickers on both sides. Remember, I, he definitely had one on one side that was six inches long, on right next to his whale tail. And he was a pretty cool bull, not like a giant scory bull, but yeah, they ended up wrecking my stock on on opening morning because they went up there. I had, the, I had the buck bed in a big timber patch and blew him out. But actually, you know, we thought it was going to be a bad deal. It ended up being kind of a good deal because it made the buck a little more home to his little area and went up higher in the basin. But yeah, it was. Definitely, definitely a heartbreaker when I'm. I definitely could never get that taste out of your mouth after losing a, losing any deer. You know, it's the first year I've ever lost an animal, bow or rifle, and have it happen this year, and then have it, you know, on a on a buck that we all think scores at least 205. It's just, yeah, it's just crazy, and have it film and my whole struggle and hiking well, the best, 30, 30 yeah. plus miles zigzagging trying to find the deer and we had a black bear in there too and we don't know maybe the black bear you know spooked in that thing that we shot him after that big giant rainstorm and who knows what happened but yeah it's a heartbreak hotel but the best way to get that taste out of your mouth is to uh just go shoot a giant here next week so that hey, that would help exactly yeah we're hoping to yeah we got two tags and you know nine days to do it in a really awesome spot that I've I've definitely grown to love over the years and just can't get enough of it. So it's I'm excited. <laughs> I, I wish it was I wish it was Sunday like right now. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I wanted to touch base. Uh, uh, right now we're doing uh, GoHunt.com Insider. We're doing a uh, promotion three a 30 day free trial. And uh, for the listeners out there, the J. Scott Outdoors podcast listeners, they can actually go on uh, GoHunt.com Insider and click on the free trial button. Um, And I want you to tell me, obviously you work for GoHunt, but what does the filtering 2.0 and what does being an Insider member to you do in in figuring out like where you're going to hunt in different states and such. To me, it's like, it's a huge eye opener, really. Like you could, you could say like a lot of people, like I used to think I knew the draw system very well, like in Montana, you know, I started, re- I started applying in Utah and all those other states. Like I thought I knew things back then. This just opens the whole, whole world up to you. It shows you how much opportunities there are to go hunting. Like you, everyone thinks, Oh, the West is all this draw tags or, you know, it takes, 10, 15 years to draw a good mule deer tag, but there's so many good opportunities that, like all these states that offer archery opportunities, one or two point you can draw out all these over counter stuff. So basically, what I love about like I use filtering 2.0 all the time when I was planning my hunt. So basically, if you take down, if you take a state, so let's say um, once you're an insider, we drop down filtering 2.0, pull up all the states we cover it. Um, so you could take Idaho for example. Let's say okay, want to hunt Idaho. Um, I want to go elk hunting in Idaho. So you, you, you filter Idaho, you filter elk. And I was going to show you all those units. You know, you can hunt elk in that state, which is pretty much the whole state. But then you can narrow it down. Say you want to, okay, I want to, I want to shoot a 310-inch 300, bull. So now it's going to narrow it down from like 90-some units down to like 35 units, for example, of all those units that produce a 310-inch bull, for example. And then you can say, well, I want, uh, 
I don't, I don't want the rifle until Mr. Bow Hunter. So like I, I go through these states and like, especially these over the counter states and pick, okay, archery. So now filter all those units that have an archery season that I could apply for that meets that 310 inch um, criteria. And another, another great thing. So now it's going to narrow it down. So instantly instead of researching the whole state, you're researching 10, 15 units. You can go even further and say, well, now show me all the areas that show the top trophy potential sorted based on my criteria. So you click that, and now it's going to short from highest to lowest. Three, it might be like 340 plus all the way down to your 310 minimum that you set. And, uh, and then you can say, well, that's great. And also I might say, like, okay, well, there's, let's talk about unit nine. It's looking at unit nine. You know, break down your access, your terrain, vegetation, just like all this stuff that, like, yeah, you, you might be able to dig some of it out of, like, a state report, but it's all right there at your fingertips. In a, in a filtering way so you can like actually know from guys who have hunted this unit okay what's the vegetation like is there access issues um what are, are the you know historical temperature and precipitation from this unit in the central spot not in like a town that's you know way away from you and then you could like okay go back out i researched unit nine that was good um you can filter by male or female ratio so you can know okay i'm a bow hunter i want three to three ten bowls or better and I want to find areas that have higher bull to cow ratios because I want a chance to get in more bulls. Well, now I can filter that. This can show you those new areas filtered by your criteria. So you can try to like, I, I kind of explain like a two zone ending type deal, like a two zone ending type book, you know? Yeah. And then you can, then you can even filter by harvest success. And now, uh, for the last year, the week before we released, uh, all the over the counter, um, states, all their harvest success reports. So now you can filter, just based on over the counter. So you could, you could potentially find the best unit in Idaho, best unit in Arizona, best unit in Colorado for elk, you know, that's going to be the highest harvest percent in the state for archery based on how many hunters they survey. So sometimes it's, you know, you have to use that as a grain of salt because I might only survey 20 some people when they actually, you know, a couple more hundred people might have hunted it, but you can narrow that down to a better area for you to hunt that have higher harvest success. The harvest success could be due to weather. It could be due to, you know, just ease of terrain. You have to take all in, into account. That's why using the unit profile will show you your terrain. I'll show you your photos. You can be like, I'm a guy who loves high country basins like Colorado, Nevada, you know, some of the stuff like I just eat it up all that high country stuff. So actually show me terrain photos. So I can see, and I'll talk about the vegetation. So I know I will, I'll be able to glass this unit. Whereas this unit over here is heavily timbered, might have still the same genetics, might have still the same harvest success, but I will be a better bow hunter in this area because of the terrain. So it kind of, just narrows down your research to a whole new ball game of different opportunities. It makes you not afraid to uh, like jump over and hunt a border state. Like maybe you just hunted, like I used to hunt Montana all the time. I'm kicking myself right now. Why didn't I go to Idaho? Why didn't I utilize all those Idaho over the counter like tags or go elk hunting in Idaho? It was right, it was right there. And now I'm like, Hey, if I had this back then, I would have probably had enough courage to figure out the draw system, figure out how much everything state, you know, cost to apply and find a really good area without having to like burn gas and drive around the whole state, you know, multiple years trying to figure out a unit. You, just, you can figure out a unit now pretty fast. Yeah. It's an incredible tool. So it's a 30 day free trial. Uh, guys, uh, the listeners here, you guys can go to gohunt.com forward slash J Scott, click on the blue free trial button and go through the steps. You will have to provide a credit card, but you will not be charged until after the free 30 days. You can cancel at any time in the first 30 days. Um, and if you have any questions at all, you can email freetrial at gohunt.com uh, and someone from the GoHunt team will promptly respond. 
Brady, we've had an awesome time today hearing about your gear list. I want to remind the listeners that uh, Tuesday or Wednesday of next week uh, on GoHunt.com, they will be able to go and look at the photos of all the stuff that you discussed in this article, uh, as well as there'll be a copy that they can download of your Excel uh, spreadsheet, and they can use that spreadsheet for their own gear, correct? Yep, they'll be able to use it and customize it themselves. and. Yep. So it's that's awesome. So yeah, someone will post it on Tuesday. And then if they if they don't find it there, and you know, I'll also be posting it on all my social media channels, my per, my personal ones when I get back too. So if people follow me on Instagram, I'll let them, I'll let them know. Hey, my my article's up. I'll probably shoot a photo of my gear list and you know, include a link to the GoHorn article once once I get back from my Nevada hunt. So if people don't see it yeah. then, I'll, I'll I'll try to make sure they they get a hold of it. So. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you spending time with us here. I know you're busy trying to get uh, all your work stuff done and get all your gear and get everything, you know, all fine-tuned. Um, but I can't wait to see how you do. And uh, what else do you have in store for this fall? Yeah, well, I, uh, I left out. I mean, I, I drew an archery uh, antelope tag in Nevada, but I ended up turning that tag back in. The season actually opened yesterday. I just turned it back in a week and a half ago. I I just didn't want, I didn't have enough time to devote what I really wanted to for an antelope tag, especially if I did tag out, I have to wait five years to get it again. And everyone knows how covered an antelope tag is. And I do have enough bonus points where I'll be able to draw it again. So I'm hoping to, you know, one year maybe have a little more time in August to devote to that. But I, uh, I drew a Wyoming uh, general deer tag. So I'm going to be doing a uh, awesome, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Wyoming. Uh, that's going to be mid-September. I'd, I'm most likely going to skip the archery hunt, even though I'm a giant bow junkie. But just because I just don't really have enough time to really uh, go back to back to Nevada, try to run up there to scout, and then try to try to hunt a full week, especially since I'll be by myself in Wyoming. I won't have anyone, you know, to, to help guide me in on a buck. So I'm just going to go to the rifle hunt, which opens September 15th. Um, uh, a bunch of people know today all the Colorado leftover stuff came out. I tried to pick up a Colorado leftover tag, but there's just uh, not any tags available. I couldn't get on the phone to get a tag, so. Colorado might be out for me this year because I'm trying to save some uh, save some points for a you know top end trophy unit. Um, but I do have a Montana general tag as well, so I have a, I have a pretty good fall. Uh, basically, year at the mule deer again. I just can't get enough of mule deer, so I'm gonna my Montana hunt will be with my family again. I usually go up uh, to Montana and hunt with them for the Thanksgiving week, and you know usually do really well up there. It's a good tradition that we always do, and just really fun to see my family who don't get to hunt mule deer. I get to show them all the all the mule deer their love and they can see why I'm so addicted to them, I guess. It's a it's gonna be a good year and I might help a couple of people out in the Colorado hunts, probably help some people on the third season or maybe fourth season hunt. So it'll it'll be a fun cool. fall. The year of the mule deer. I love it. That's yeah. awesome. That's All right, awesome. Yeah, well, yeah good. I can't wait to see your beaver your beaver hunt too. So yeah, you can post it. Yeah, I think it's gonna be fantastic and um sure seems like the year to draw it in the late dates and uh it's been fun getting ready uh, physically and, uh, you know, mentally trying to prepare myself for the grind and, and uh, just the marathon of, of a long hunt. So it's yeah. uh, it's going to be fantastic. So, well, I'll probably uh, talk to you after you got a big old buck in your hands, and I can't wait to see the photos. Your, your trophy photos and your adventure photos are always just phenomenal. Um, I want to encourage, encourage everybody listening to go find – uh, Brady on Instagram. You can look in the uh, show notes portion uh, and uh, see the links to find Brady on Instagram and 
Brady does all the, the he's the digital content manager for GoHunt.com and um, just a phenomenal resource. Uh, and you do such a great job with all those uh, articles. I just want to commend you on your efforts there. Hey, appreciate it, Jay. Always, always fun talking to you, and always fun uh, talking hunting. And yeah, looking looking forward to uh, the season. So. Awesome, buddy. Well, until I hear from you, until I see a photo and see your face behind a big mule deer, uh, God bless, and uh, we'll be chatting at you, okay? All right. Take care. Stay safe. All right, buddy.
Run!